This episode of the Weekly Standard Podcast is sponsored by The Great Courses. The Great Courses brings engaging video and audio lectures presented by top professors and professionals on a wide variety of subjects to your fingertips. The Great Courses has a collection of lecture series geared towards professionals, including Scientific Secrets for a Powerful Memory, How Conversation Works, Art of Public Speaking, and Influence, Mastering Life's Most Powerful Skill. These series offer great tools and insights for anyone looking to improve their recall at work, hone their presentation skills, or become a better negotiator. And now, for a limited time, The Great Courses has a special offer for Weekly Standard listeners. Order any of these four business and presentation courses for just $9.95. This special price of $9.95 is only available for a limited time. Order today. Go to thegreatcourses.com slash WS to find out more. That's thegreatcourses.com slash WS. Welcome to the Weekly Standard Podcast. I'm your host, Michael Graham, with us on the Weekly Standard. And out on the Weekly Standard cruise is Bill Crystal, who spent all day steering the ship. Is that right, Bill? Yeah, thank God, no. <laughs> I spent all day strolling around Victoria, British Columbia, which is a very nice little city. And um, it's a good used bookstore, I'm happy to report. One of the last left, probably, in the on the North American continent, and I'm now back on the ship and happy to discuss the, the week in politics, which some of which we've been following at some distance here in Alaska, but still following. Well, I'm just uh, wanting to check. You didn't happen to run into a server in any of the aisleways of the cruise ship, maybe from a small condo in Colorado that once held Hillary's email. You didn't run into that, did you? How amazing is this story? I mean, you can't make it up, you know, and uh, I don't know. I just go, come back to the core fact that she became Secretary of State of the United States. Uh, great honor, a very important position. Everyone else who takes that position that I know of is briefed on security procedures. I was at a senior level in the White House. I certainly got those briefings. You try very hard to follow them. Maybe occasionally you even do make a tiny slip. Then you feel very, you know, you, you get reprimanded and privately reminded of the procedures. She just, from the beginning, went, just ignored it. She just, it was her own rule. She wanted to have her own server to protect her emails from. Congress, from I think from the Obama White House, incidentally, from her colleagues at state, and she just cavalierly goes about setting up as Secretary of State of the United States her own email account on her own unsecured server, and God knows what sensitive or classified information was more available on that than it would have been otherwise. It's just the whole impropriety of it is what's so stunning: the arrogance, the 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 impropriety, the possible illegality. And uh, I, I, I think this is very serious. I, I just think the more you can just see it in the poll numbers, can't you? I mean, the more it sinks in, um, it, it's really a pretty. It's becoming kind of a hemorrhage, I think. Well, Bill, you think numbers. it's you think it's serious, but to show how serious Hillary thinks it is, I think she's on the cruise ship doing the nine o'clock show and chuckles <laughs> comedy den because that her whole reaction of I just got some Snapchat. Those messages disappear themselves. Hey, clear my server with a towel. I mean, she's yucking it up. And her and, and really playing hard, the this is all partisanship card to the point that you're probably not seeing it on the cruise ship, but we're seeing on MSNBC and CNN, Bill, members of the press getting angry and saying, look, this isn't a Republican story. This is the intelligence services IG and the Obama FBI. And she's laughing in our faces there. It's almost maybe the worst way you could handle this. I agree with that. And incidentally, John Kerry and other liberals who served the Obama administration, it didn't occur to them to have their own servers and their own email accounts. And David Petraeus, serving as Obama's CIA director, paid a pretty hefty fine and, and I think uh, pled guilty uh, right. uh, for some community service for something that just objectively 
is a much less severe uh, um, violation, I think, of the of the secrecy and classification requirements that any senior official, especially one in such a sensitive position, uh, has to abide by. So, uh, yeah, I really do think, I mean, that, that decision on her part and her advisors, but I guess it's really hers, right, to try to make light of it, to show that this is no big deal. I mean, how, how can that be? Yeah, that just seems crazy. That's so tone deaf politically. And it's as if, you know, it's one thing, uh, I'm trying to think what, the, what they think, I'm trying to think what they think this scandal is like. I guess they, you know, it's a little like a, I don't know, maybe they think it's like getting paid a lot to give speeches, which, you know, is unseemly, but not illegal unless you're trading favors for it. And you can sort of dismiss it. But this is entirely an entirely different order of magnitude. Yeah, I've never seen a presser involving national security that concluded with the person speaking going, hey, try the veal, tip your waitresses. I don't think that's so good. But this is what I'm hearing or reading from smart people, Bill, is that the working theory inside the Clinton team is until as long as she's not indicted anything but an indictment they can survive because they'll eventually be able to bring it down to you have to choose between a republican who is by definition unacceptable or hillary clinton who maybe you don't really love but she's not a republican and they think that it doesn't matter what she does she can't lose this race on how she handles a scandal she can only get knocked out by law enforcement by indictment do you think that that's a reasonable analysis on their part i, mean, I think first of all she's not of course it's not out of the question that she, that she won't be indicted but, but leaving that aside no i don't think that's reasonable i just think if you look at the democratic primary numbers she's now below 50 uh when matched up against bernie sanders not ultimately really a credible nominee i don't think and joe biden who's not announced these running if biden runs as a sitting vice president He'll suddenly be within 15, 20 points of Hillary. She'll be considerably below 50. I wouldn't be surprised to see her at 40, 38 in some of the primary states. And then I think other people start looking around and thinking, well, gee, Hillary Clinton's fatally flawed. Joe Biden's run twice and done pretty miserably. And uh, the, the idea of continuing the Obama administration for another four years can't be that attractive. I think even when Democratic primary voters is problematic, and he's 73 years old. Bernie Sanders really can't be the nominee. The other three who are, are running and trying to run are at 1% each. And I think at that point, John Kerry, Al Gore, uh, to speak of the people who run before, but also Claire McCaskill and uh, Kirsten, uh, Kirsten Gillibrand and uh, Deval Patrick, the former governor of Massachusetts, and of course Elizabeth Warren. All of those people take a really serious look at the race. The Democratic race in two or three months can look like the Republican race. Five or six candidates, senators, governors, no front runner. It would really be an amazing reversal, but I think it's quite possible. No, what's going to be amazing is when Donald Trump decides to run as the Democrat and Republican nominee, when he gets into both races simultaneously, which he could. That would be huge. That would be huge. huge. It would be terrific. Why it would not? be fantastic. Why it would not? be. It would be. I would be kind of. Why not? You know, you're absolutely hey, right. Everything else is happening. Giving, Everything else is happening this year. Why not? <laughs> and plus, he's given so much money to Democrats, he wouldn't really have to change any of his positions. He could run simultaneously as the Democratic and Republican <laughs> primary candidate. Be the 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 first time ever. But it's interesting. He's not only beating uh, Hillary theoretically head to head in Florida. He's beating Jeb Bush. In Florida, and I saw an interesting set of numbers. I think in the Weekly Standard that showed how the kind of establishment team together—you know, the Walker, Rubio, you know, Bush numbers together—were in the you know 50s, and the uh, outsiders were down in the 30s. And that has flipped. Uh, Trump and Carly and Ben Carson 
they're they have well more than 50% support and it's the standard bearers who are sagging. Does this say something about the voters, the quality of these challengers? Carla Fiorina is a pretty good candidate or the weakness of the once perceived front runners like Jeb Bush. Yeah, I think really all of the above. Ben Carson has been sort of an underreported story. Hasn't he been? I mean, he's sort of in there at a 10, 11, 12%, mm-hmm. third or second, third or fourth in many of these polls. And if you had said, Six months ago, Ben Carson's going to be ahead of Jeb Bush in several polls. Donald Trump's going to be doubling Jeb Bush in these polls. Uh, and Carly Fiorina is going to be coming up and running fifth or sixth. People would have thought you were crazy. I think it does show how much of an anti-Washington, anti-establishment attitude there is. I also think it's just the failure of these of these establishment candidates. So I'm struck by that talking to our cruisers here on on the ship. The uh, they really Jeb Bush is underperformed. I think there's not really any question about that. Scott Walker, I think, has underperformed in the last uh, four, six, eight weeks, more than I had actually realized. It's just the, the failure to really step up at the debate, to really have much of a national message. People like and respect him. They suspect he'd be a pretty good president, tough-minded guy, good governor of Wisconsin, but he just hasn't really made the case. Uh, our cruisers are pro-Rubio, I'd say, above all. And not I'd say that we did a poll of them, and Rubio was clearly in first place. Um, He's he's done well, but he, he also, I think, could do a little better. None of them has been very imaginative. None of them has been very bold. Uh, they've yielded the field, really, to uh, to Trump and Fiorina and Carson. I think, ultimately, those three aren't going to be the nominee, so one has to come back, I suppose, to the Rubios and Walkers. But maybe not. You know, once every 50, 70 years, things really go in a different direction. And this could be the cycle, I suppose. Well, you know, it's I think it's a fair standard. If you can't beat Trump, you can't beat Hillary. And so this is the time for someone yeah. to rise up. You see Jeb Bush taking Donald Trump head on, using Trump's record as, you know, all over the map to highlight his own, he argues, true conservatism. Is this smart for Jeb to start swinging against Donald Trump? Or does that, uh, you know, uh, alienate people he's going to need later who already don't like him? Or the old standard, you know, if you wrestle with the pig, it's always a mistake because you get dirty and the pig likes it. Yeah, it's hard to say. I can see why his people thought this would be a good idea. It shows him stepping up. Uh, ultimately, a Bush-Trump showdown. Bush probably wins. But Trump does have a ceiling, I think, on his support. That's been, he seems to have flattened out around 25% and isn't the second choice of many of the other uh, people who are supporting the other candidates. On the other hand, the way in which Bush is criticizing him just seems a little... I don't know. It's like some political consultant. They went to, they did the opera research and they right. found out he gave money to the Clintons and they found out he's not really solidly conservative. He's not claiming to be more conservative than Jeb Bush. He's claiming to be an outsider. He's claiming to be more nationalist, more sort of uh, America first on immigration and on trade than the establishment guy. That's his appeal. And what I'm struck by is how little any of them understands his appeal. I'm not sure I fully understand it either. Some of it's just entertainment. Some of it's just that he's a colorful character. And it's fun to sort of think about, have Trump in the race for a while and tell posters you're for him. It doesn't mean you're going to vote for him actually in February or March or April. But I think a lot of it is, you know, he's he's willing to tell the Mexicans to, to shove it and to pay for the fence themselves. He's willing to tell the Chinese to go jump in the lake. And he's willing to say that the Iran deal is just horrible. And, and you know, he's, he's sort of not, it's not complicated. And that's, that's his appeal more than, you know, so, so nicking him for not being reliably conservative. Most of these Republican primary voters aren't obsessed with going through a checklist of conservative positions. They want someone who will sort of stand up for America after all the, after the Obama years. And that's where I think the big opportunity is for Rubio, for Walker, for Bush. You know, we've already rolled through some amazing headlines 
sitting Secretary of State's you know s- secured email sitting in a bathroom in Colorado, Trump beating Jeb Bush, you know, in primary. And now this one's even stranger. I don't know if you saw the movie Airplane. Uh, boy trapped in a refrigerator right. eats own foot. Crazy headline. This is straight from the Onion. The Iranian deal allows Iran to inspect their own military nuke sites, sites where we know that they've already violated laws and rules in the past. They get to collect the samples, set up the cameras inside. They, I mean, it's 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 basically saying to those prisoners in upstate New York, we want you to guard yourself now. We sure you guys will do a great job on the wall. Here are the keys. Get back to us when you've got everything set up. Yeah, the Iranians get to inspect themselves. They get 104, you know, to, to, to prove to the world that they're complying with their commitment to the nuclear deal. They get $140 billion in return for nothing, for no commitment to stop terror or anything else. Um, they kind of uh, humiliate us. The one Soleimani goes to Russia just to show they have little regard he has for any uh, any objections we might have to such a thing, uh, violating the sanctions. What does that say about how seriously they'll take any future commitments. It's really amazing. And I'm also a little amazed by the failure of of Republicans to really seize on this moment. This is the moment to really prove to the American public just how horrible the Obama administration's foreign policy has been. It's a foreign policy that Secretary of State Hillary Clinton was involved in, that Vice President Joe Biden uh, is involved in. Those are the two most likely Democratic colonies right now. Uh, every other Democratic colony has voted for aspects of that foreign policy. The senators and, and others have supported it. So uh, why not really bring this home to the to the public? And and now we have Bob Menendez, a Democratic senator from New Jersey, with a powerful critique of the deal. I would, if I were running the Republican National Committee, I would put up ads with Bob Menendez <laughs> saying this is a terrible deal. It's not verifiable. Why are we giving all this money to Iran? And really start going after both the Obama administration and Hillary Clinton and Joe Biden, and also Democratic senators who say they're voting for this deal. This could be a very big moment in American politics. It's not politicizing the deal to tell the truth about it, which is it's a huge moment. And we're about to have a big vote on it. And the Republican Party, whatever its other deficiencies, is coherently and consistently against this deal. And the great majority of Democrats are following Barack Obama over the cliff and defending it. And back to your point about Donald Trump, the Iranians inspecting themselves, you know, is... Uh, you know, um, Bernie Madoff doing his own tax returns. The average person can get that. And you talked about how Trump's message is simple and clear. This is a clear, simple message that I think senators who've already said publicly they will back the deal could actually, you know, face so much pressure from average citizens if that message is told. If I'm running for Senate in 2016 and I'm a Republican, Bill, I want to do a presser today. I want to have ads up this weekend saying that loony who's in office right now thinks the Iranians can be trusted to inspect their own nukes. It's a simple message that cuts through a lot of the clutter around the Iran deal that the average person in America can get. And I think they they already don't like the deal. This is, to me, the capper. Why won't the Republicans seize on it? As you say, they already don't like it. Poll after poll shows uh, everything from solid majority opposition to overwhelming majority opposition to the deal. Yeah, to get back to your earlier question about Joe Bush, instead of sniping at Trump because he wasn't consistent with conservative principles on this or that, and is that really a surprise that Trump wasn't? I mean, is that really going to change his supporters? Go around the country and give speech after speech about how horrible this deal is. Go to states where there are Democratic senators voting for it and say this uh, and chastise them for that and call them out and, and, and ask 
voters from these different states to really think hard in the, during the next year about what kind of foreign policy they want the country to have. I think that's the way to take steam out of Trump. It doesn't have to be on that issue. Right. It doesn't have to be on foreign policy, but on a whole bunch of issues to be much stronger, bolder, more assertive is the way to undercut Trump rather than sniping a Trump. I like how you say that bold. You've clearly been in Alaska the last few days, the, the land of the well, wild, hunting, breathing that bracing air. Yeah, it's hunting. It's feeling, it's feeling close up and personal with the grizzlies and stuff. It's giving me that. <laughs> you know? Bill Crystal, thanks so much for joining us on the cruise. Thanks for the update on the uh, views of the uh, Weekly Standard readers who are there with you, putting Ruby at the top of the uh, onboard poll, and we will talk to you again soon. Great. Thanks, Michael. You've been listening to the Weekly Standard Podcast. Please be sure to check weeklystandard.com regularly for podcast updates. I'm your host, Michael Graham.